Welcome to Help from Future Self. What's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I am very excited for this week's episode because I get to spend time with three of my Keyforge friends, three of my best Keyforge friends, as a matter of fact. We've got the wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, hey, hey. Always a pleasure to have you here, buddy. SC Steel. Hello, hello. And of course, Boulevard Blake. Hey, what's going on, gang? It's so good to have all four of us here, the 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 true core, the heart of Help from Future Self, because we have exciting stuff to talk about this week. But before we get into the main topic of this week's episode, I wanted to mention that for the first time in nearly a year and a couple of months, I think probably 14 months or so, I got to go out and play Keyforge IRL with real people, real tokens, real cards, real playmats in a real store last night. And oh my goodness, I don't think I realized how much I missed that experience until I was actually having it again. The ability to sit down and play across the table from another person, it feels so different and so much more personable and so much more satisfying than playing digitally and online. Obviously, the option to play digitally and online has been a huge boon for us throughout the course of the pandemic, but nothing compares to being able to sit down and play with other players, joke around, talk about decks, and just that experience, I think, really sort of revitalized my my feelings of dedication towards the game at what is a challenging time for it. Um, so uh, that's just to say that, uh, you know, take into account all precautions in your area, but if you have the opportunity to safely peak play Keyforge live and in person, whether it's at a kitchen table, at a game store, or some other locale, you should look into that because it feels real good and uh, maybe you had forgotten like myself. That's so exciting. I'm so glad you got to do that. Yeah, it was also my first time playing Dark Tidings live and in person, which was weird because I thought that it was going to take me a lot longer to remember the Tide card and like <laughs> doing it. But it was so easy to just mentally go like, because it's such a tactile thing, turning the card back and forth that I found that me and my opponent were both constantly just like looking at it, verifying it. And I was really got into the habit very quickly of looking at my hand and looking at the tide card and going, okay, I got to make sure at the beginning of my turn that the first thing or midway through my turn, if it's a sort of a, a weirdly structured turn where you have to want to have low tide at the beginning and high tide to the end or vice versa, you know, et cetera. With all of that how, how said, about, uh, but what about your board placement with Dark Tidings? Did you have that under wraps as you were going? Um, neither. None of the games that I played of the three I played really relied on it that much, and the deck itself didn't really rely on it that much. No infighting. Um, no, no infighting. See, because we were playing sealed, I'm now getting in the habit of automatically building the habit of my board placement of being cautious of creatures of the same type next to another power placement it's a uh, so i'm never cut off guard but it's a uh, it's really hard to like reprogram your mind to to kind of do that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i've also started counting the cards that i'm playing because a handful of cards will care how many cards i've played in that turn that i might not have in my hand at the beginning of the turn Ooh, those were also some of the most chained games i have ever played just between Fair. me and my opponent taking the tide back and forth. And uh, I really found that the the that level of decision-making, the rhythm of that felt very, like, natural and organic, um, which, you know, is not a new observation for Dark Tidings, but uh, certainly it added a lot to it in the live experience, I found, partially just the sort of the tactility of moving the, uh, the, the tide back and forth, almost to the point where I'd love to have, like, a really custom 
you know, this is sort of the way we have custom chain trackers and things like that. It would be awesome Ooh. to have a, a, a custom tide, tide card of some description or something else that you can use to, to track who's at high tide and who's at low tide. I think that'd be fun. Well, welcome to the club. Thanks, pal. Um, if you did not hear last week's episode, we would encourage you to go back and listen to it because we tackled some pretty big stuff. The algorithm being broken, the game going on hiatus while they fix the algorithm. We talked a lot about those two topics and the challenges they present and also some possible positive outcomes for them. But we left what I think is the most exciting and fun part of that discussion for this week's episode, which is why all four of us is here, because we're going to talk about the potential digital client that was announced, as well as this set that was announced Winds of Exchange, and they went so far as to say in the announcement where they talked about the algorithm being broken, the game going on hiatus while they fix it, that Winds of Exchange is completely designed. It's ready to go. It's just a matter that they need the deck building algorithm to be functional so they can start printing decks. That's the holdup. That's why we're not going to see it in stores this fall in all likelihood. That's why Winds of Exchange is not going to be a thing that uh, probably we're going to find out a ton about, although they might start leaking some, uh, some stuff. We're already starting to see a couple spoilers out in the wild, and that's very exciting. But just to start things off very quickly, starting with you, Sydney, first thoughts on Winds of Exchange, just based on the small amount of information that we have on it. So the in-flight report that FFG did actually had a picture of the box with a creature from Winds of Exchange on the front. And it looked like a really cool turtley kind of guy with a really bejeweled shell. And I think the art, I am really looking forward to what the art's going to be for this set. Blake, any thoughts just right off the top of your head about Winds of Exchange? Yeah, the uh, the lack of shadows untamed and what's the last one? Logos. Logos. How could I forget Logos? Yes, the, the lack of those three houses is is my main thoughts on this set and and as much as it's going to be sad cuz those are are like, you know, the Coda classics, I think the lack of them is going to be very interesting to see how the set plays. And I'm curious how people are going to receive the set as a result. Because, I mean, I feel like if you say, what are your top two favorite houses? You're most likely hitting one of those with those three in anyone's list. And Rick, any thoughts just from the very small amount of information that we have on Winds of Exchange? The ones that are being ousted are my, are my top three favorite. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm interested to see what this new house brings, how it's going to be incorporated, and if it has maybe one or two, maybe even all three sort of intermingled within it itself. That we're so, missing. The new house that we've all alluded to is called the Compacts of Equidon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but the Compacts of Equidon is the name. Um, we're seeing Mars and Brobnar being rotated back in. I'm very excited for Brobnar. And I'm very interested to see what they do with Mars and Brobnar because, as we all know, uh, Mars has had a checkered history in spite of being the house that gave us possibly the most deadly combo in the history of the game. Um, <laughs> it has its ups and downs within the sets that it appeared in and has been gone for quite some time at this point. And uh, we all know that Worlds Collide Brobnar was not very well received. So I'm very curious to see how the design team bringing those back has changed those houses and hopefully tuned them up a bit to 
solidify their identity and make them more playable. Of course, the four remaining houses in the that case are Sanctum, Saurian, Star Alliance, and Unfathomable. I'm really, really happy to see that FFG is taking the idea of house rotation seriously. Um, you know, it was a thing for such a long time that shadows and logos were very dominant and shadows less so in, in the current meta, but logos still very much at the top. And I think that, you know, obviously by rotating out popular houses, they run the risk of people being less interested in playing the new set and just relying on older sets. And so I'm very curious to see from a design standpoint what they bring to the table to make sure that the new set is competitive, playable and fun in comparison to what we've seen previously. Yeah, there's also the fact that you have the all the original houses have now rotated out at some point. This will be, this is the final phase. All the original Coda houses have now at one point or another left, which is kind of interesting as well. So I guess it's going to be Star Alliance and Sorian rotating next at some point. They also have a lot of beefy houses. So Sanctum, Brobnar, and Sorian all kind of have a little bit of the really high-powered creatures, and Unfathomable can be up there too. So there's going to be a lot of board that is hard to be removed with the small ping damage that we've seen in the past. It's a really good observation, Sydney. One mm -hmm. of the things that I'm interested about with, uh, like, as as is suggested by the name of the set, the winds of exchange or winds of exchange um, and the sort of how the new house is being positioned. There is going to be something of a trade theme to this sort of a mercantile theme that is being added to the game. And we don't really know what that looks like yet, but I am super fascinated by that idea. One of the thoughts I had is that we might start seeing cards where there is a trade of resources with your opponent for Amber or vice versa. So either the idea that you have a perhaps an action or an artifact, um, a creature ability like a Reaper, an action or something like that, that allows you to say, I give my opponent an artifact from my side of the board and they give me one Amber or Amber equivalent to the power on this creature or something else to that effect. Um, any other thoughts on what that might look like in practice? You mean like Anaheed a Trader? I was just going to say, I was saying to Blake one day that Anaheed the Trader is going to be the face of the new set. That yeah. would certainly stand to reason, yeah. I think it'd be really cool if all mechanics that we're currently familiar with would be available for trading and exchanging. Things as, as simple as, as stun or um, something even being exhausted or not just the cards on the board, but all of the mechanics somehow allowing yourself to do one of those mechanics in exchange for the your opponent being able to do it or, or to remove one of them. Like if um, something is if something is stunned and you want to take away the stun, but you have to do something else in exchange for that. I think that would be kind of cool too. I could see a lot of text that says until the start of your next turn, <laughs> X thing occurs or switch X with X. I could see that happening. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting dynamic because um, I think that, you know, we, we've, we had this conversation ages and ages ago on an episode. And the question was, what is an Amber worth? What is the actual value of a pip of amber or just like one amber? It's one-sixth of a key, obviously, but what would you trade one-sixth of a key for? Is it worth it to remove a creature? Oftentimes, yes, absolutely. If you have no other means to remove a creature, it is worth giving up one amber in order to get rid of them. Um, 
especially if that creature happens to be holding Amber, that's going to make that a, 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 a zero-sum uh, exchange. But I, I am sort of fascinated by figuring out what those costs are going to look like if indeed what we're seeing is Amber for resources as a thing because obviously the goal is to forge keys. Can't do that without six Amber or more depending on what key costs look like. So what will make it enticing? There's lots of things I could think of where I don't know that I necessarily want to take things from my opponent or give away things from my own deck depending on how crucial they are to my strategy for Amber. And I'm kind of curious if there's other ways that that could be expressed in gameplay. I'm wondering if there's going to be maybe something that says like reap uh, exalt this creature and then maybe it has some other effect and then it says if this creature has four or more ember exchange it with another creature your opponent controls mm. something like that so it's like you got to kill that creature and get the ember off of it before it gets to the point where it now exchanges on the other side of the board like something like that i could see in saurian maybe that's a really cool risk reward situation yeah I also think maybe something like a fair game where some luck or chance comes into it, but where Amber is involved, like being something where your opponent might get something in exchange for what you might get, but we don't know what that is based on the board state yet. So also one of the things we know about the set, one of the very few things we know about this set is that Mars is coming back and they're bringing a new mechanic with them. This card made me think of you, Rick, because there is a spoiler out there. And if you don't want to know about spoilers, skip ahead by 30 seconds or a minute in the podcast and we'll be past that. But this card is named Borka Rick. <laughs> he is a Martian rebel. Those are his traits. Uh, he has the flavor text, which I love. Uh, Join me and the revolution will never die. He's a four-power creature, and he has the text, each time a Mars card is discarded from your hand, make a token creature. So token creatures are coming to Keyforge, whether they'll be limited to Mars or we'll see them across the rest of the houses in this set, we don't know. I think that this would be an interesting mechanic to be specific to Mars in their return to the to the game. You know what's funny? Is, it's just when I heard you say this, I never thought about this until like just now was says create a token creature you know how there's like oh there's the token guy in our like the token gamer like sort of <laughs> idea what if it's like that and it's just this like really like very typical mars looking creature that comes on they call it the token creature you know what i mean what if it's something like that that actually be pretty funny <laughs> and i could see them doing that based on some of the other play on words we've seen that's amazing a lot of card games have mechanics where creatures come on the board very momentarily, like for a turn or as maybe a, a defense for one one round or something like that. And I feel like a, a temporary creature is is definitely a really cool new mechanic. I'm I'm just hoping that it's not another card like the tide card that everybody needs to have and every deck has one it's just, i got some bad news for you buddy i know it is moving forward they said that's the way it's gonna be oh boy i'm just <laughs> running out of options where i'm putting my decks yeah i think that we're gonna get to a point now where everybody's gonna have like you already have to have your tokens you have to have tokens for ward and stun 
um, and uh, in rage, and you're going to have to have a tide card in case somebody brings dark tidings, and you're going to have to have your chain tracker, and now you might have to have a bunch of Martian uh, token creatures. Um, I, I think what's most interesting to me about this one is the idea that there is the possibility to have additional creatures on the board that are not represented by cards in your deck. Now, the way that this particular card is positioned, you have to discard Mars cards from your hand in order to get a hold of these token creatures, but we don't know what kind of recursion is going to be available. We've seen in the past all kinds of Mars cards that allow you to bring Mars cards from your graveyard into your hand again or into your archive, and I think that there's lots of interesting possibilities there. I, I think that the idea of Mars operating on sort of a swarmy basis where you can create a no battle line very, very quickly uh, is a very interesting one, especially if token creatures, you know, have a set power and armor and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out over time. I'm hoping for something along the lines of a mimic gel, the creature that can become another creature that there there is on the board. So that way, like the card that you discard from Mars, like it, it takes something from that card. So the card that you discard matters. I'm very interested in the trait, actually, the fact that it's now considered a rebel. And is this a storyline that's emerging within House Ooh. Mars that has changed things where people or I guess Martians are rebelling against the, I can't remember what they're called now. I've read all the stories and stuff, but they're like the the leaders or the elders. And there's now, they don't like necessarily the Martian way of life being on the crucible. And now they're starting to create their own faction. And maybe we're going to see some sort of lore with that. And hopefully we get some more lore with this because we've uh, been a little light on the lore but lots of exciting possibilities based on the last uh, set two sets that came out actually we had the dark amber we have the unfathomable coming into play now and now we're going to have this new one so it'd be really nice to, to get a little bit more insight into the crucy indeed so it's not all winds of exchange talk this week because we also have to talk a little bit about the potential for this digital client. Obviously, we have no information. Literally, all we got from the announcement about a digital client was they're working with another company and they would like to have one. And it's something that's being discussed and possibly even planned on right now. But that's literally all the information we have. We don't know what kind of platform it's going to operate on. We don't know what is going to be uh, the ultimate form of it, whether it will have in-game currency, whether it will have decks that you can only play on that client, whether that you'll be able to play your normal decks. We don't know anything at all. There's probably an entire episode's worth of speculation in this, but I just wanted to get some quick takes about the possibility for a digital client. Obviously, I think that's something that we're all in favor of because we all use the Crucible all the time and have seen the value of the Crucible. What would you like to see in an official client that would distinguish it from what we already have access to? Blake? Oh, that's a good one. I think uh, a little more... Flair would probably be at some animations would be really nice. Uh, I would also maybe like to see it have the ease of actually, I guess I don't know quite how to phrase this, but the way when you have to select the order of events, I find on TCO sometimes there's a lack of consistency in general, but it's specific to certain cards like it really came when pips came into to play because sometimes you have when you have a card you play it then it says where do you want to play do the pips and then the card etc cetera, etc cetera, right and then you do the play effects and then you have upgrades where you have to first choose the creatures going to then you choose the pips so sometimes i don't know about you guys but i have so many times with upgrades especially 
I go and I think I'm choosing the pips and instead I'm choosing like where I'm attaching it. And so I choose like my opponent's creature to attach like a good upgrade to, and it just creates like Done it's, it's such a hassle to yeah, it's it's uh so the ease of making that kind of happen and, and pips being incorporated within the prompting system uh, a little bit more fluidly, I guess. What about you, Rick? Is there anything you'd like to see in an official Keyforge client that we don't currently have on uh, the Crucible? I'm not very, uh, I guess, tech savvy, so I don't really know much, but I can't think of anything right now off the top of my head. So we shall wait and see, I guess. What about you, Sydney? I want an AI player. I want somebody to play against mm. that isn't just me. I want to, maybe they're making decisions based on an algorithm. Maybe it's random, but either way, I want something to play against when I, I simply want to be able to like walk away from a turn, go do something for 15 minutes. Like maybe my kid woke up from the nap, you know, whatever. And so I'm not keeping somebody else waiting, but I can come back to the same game and continue playing. I really like that. I like that too. My uh, big wish, I think, for this is um, I'm a big fan of the aspect of Keyforge that you can customize. We all know that decks are algorithmically generated and you can't sub out cards. They are what they are. But who is to say that we could not have a system of in-game currency based on either the amount of wins that you have or some other factor, perhaps the number of decks you register or anything else, that you could not exchange for custom digital sleeves, for custom backgrounds, Ooh, yeah. um, for alternate art perhaps even in some cases. Maybe that could be a prize for winning certain decks. All right, I'd from now down. on. I'd be down for that. That's the kind of thing that I think makes a digital client really tantalizing for me because it offers an experience that you literally cannot have just sitting down to Weekly Archon and makes it feel like something special that is just available in a digital client. So that digital isn't just um, a downgraded version of the live experience. It's a real experience unto itself with its own flavor. I like that. Yeah, that's really cool. I think the other thing that I'm curious about is how important is to y'all to be able to play Keyforge on every single kind of device? I'm personally of the opinion that um, having tried out some of the other major card games, which shall remain nameless as uh, phone clients, that I'm not <laughs> a fan of them because I find that they, they are very crammed into a phone screen. And I still have like a pretty big phone. Like it's it's quite large. And I still find it very difficult to see what's going on, on in like a, a game with a lot of cards happening in that uh, on the screen. Do you guys care about being able to play it on your phone or are you cool with tablet and PC? Uh, I would love to play it on my iPad, but I have a mini. So I I'm not able to, but I would love to be able to play it just when I'm lounging in bed. Yeah, I'm, I'm indifferent. I absolutely need to have it on my phone. I will get so many more games in if I have it in my pocket at all times and can just pull it out wherever I am. My my Mac is not always in front of me. And on, on top of that, it's also, if it's in front of me, it may also be in reach of other little ones running around. And so my phone is a lot less likely to be in the way of, of something or or something that I can't use at that very moment. So a phone, a bil the ability to play it on my phone would, would increase the amount that I play exponentially. And the AI experience would be really cool in that. I, I would definitely like it on my phone with the AI experience because then you could just, in moments, play a couple turns, close it, come back. That would be really cool. You read yeah, my have mind. that experience of being able to test out decks potentially in that scenario without having to scare up games with other players. Mm-hmm. 
So last question I have with regards to this, and this is one that I'm very curious about your answers for, because I can't actually anticipate what they might be. Let's say that the digital client comes out and it costs a monthly fee to play. Let's just say 10 bucks. So the cost of your Netflix, your Disney Plus, whatever, it's 10 bucks a month to be able to use the official Keyforge client um, when TCO still exists, when uh, Tabletop Simulator still exists, et cetera, et cetera. Would you pay that 10 bucks a month, Rick? Yep, I would. Sydney? The caveat that you added TCO still exists makes it hard for me to say yes, but obviously I want to support FFG and I think they deserve any amount that they charge. So so the answer is yes, but I I don't I don't think I would give up TCO if if it were still available. Blake, same well, question. I'm gonna be honest, I can't see in any world that being a thing, so I I can't imagine it happening. So therefore I decline to answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think TCO exists once there is an official client as well. Do you think that they, they, they nuke uh, TCO out of Correct. existence? They, with, they uh, move forward with saying it can't exist. They, yep. they probably think- start with a, a polite communication because it would, it would probably be a nice thing for them to take it down before the actual official client comes up. And if they need to push it, they would. Yeah. I, I just don't see them coexisting. That's all. They, why would you want competition? Uh, especially if you're going to charge a monthly fee, but I don't think they, it would be a monthly fee. I think you can somehow buy decks in some way through it. And that's how it, or there's a tournament thing and you get a sealed deck and you play it like a, like kind of poker sit and go tournaments. I could see that happening in a sealed function in some way. And, and I don't, and I imagine it would translate to Ember Shards and it'd be a nominal fee, less than a regular deck, especially if you don't get to keep it. So I, I just don't know how that looks, but I could see it kind of being like poker sit and go sealed tournaments existing. Lots of stuff for us to speculate on, and it'll be really cool if we ever start to see some actual information about this. Of course, we are still in a time when the game is literally on hiatus. Officially, we have FFG's word that they're going to relaunch, that they have an entire set ready to go, that we're going to be able to visit the uh, Crucible once again and spend time with all of our Archon buddies. But, you know, right now, we're just kind of in that interstitial space where Keyforge exists, but uh, we don't know what the future may hold, but we have a pretty good idea, and that's always a lot of fun to think about, and I look forward to discussing all of these things as time moves on. Can't end an episode of Help From Future Self with a titular segment. This one is called... Help From Future Self. This is a very simple one coming from me, a person who returned to playing live Keyforge in the last 24 hours. For goodness sakes, if you haven't played live for a little while, go through your boxes and bags and make sure that you have everything you need to play. I showed up last night to the game without a chain tracker, which isn't a big deal, and I was able to play without it, but I was really frustrated because I was so excited and I just went without even looking in my token box to see what was in there that and assumed I had everything, just tossed it into my bag and headed down to the game store and then while I was sitting there realized darn it I didn't check to see if I had a chain tracker and I'm playing a set where that's definitely going to be a thing that I would like to have uh, available to me for play so if you're returning to live play haven't played live in a while take 10 minutes to go through your boxes make sure that you have all your tokens make sure that the decks that you're planning to play have all the cards in place or they are where you think they are and uh, it'll probably make your experience a little bit better for it a little ounce of uh, preparation uh, is uh, better than 
oh, I guess a pound of prevention. I don't know. I don't know how that expression <laughs> works. I just have one thing I want to add before we wrap up is since uh, we are on these kind of double talking about the announcement, since we are on hiatus, folks, and I know things look bleak to some, the good thing that we have is, is that IRL play can still happen. It is starting to happen in our local area. And the cool thing that we have during this hiatus is Dark Tidings essentially is we're just getting a chance to start playing it now. And Mass Mutations never got a chance. So essentially we have two sets over this period to get to explore in a sealed capacity, which we've never done before. So just keep that in mind. And uh, remember, there's always hope and there's always fun things to explore when you're playing Keyforge. New discovery awaits at every turn. You can find us, of course, on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me at Scuzzy Gruen on Instagram and on Twitter and on The Crucible. That's where you're most likely to find me these days. I'm, I'm getting real hyped up. I want to play this deck that I got last night in Sealed. So you might find me there putting it through its paces. Rick, where can they find you? On The Crucible, Rickster78, and on Twitter, The Whittling Keyforger. Sydney, where can they find you? I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord. And Blake, where can they find you? And what special things do you have going on? You can find me on the Discord at Boulevard Blake number sign 3840. Twitter under Boulevard Blake, that's B L V D Blake. And of course, on my YouTube, doing lots of new videos there. Um, I've also got Keyforge product for sale, AOA, Worlds Collide and mass mutations message me on discord if that is something you're interested in and be sure to join the help from future self discord there will be a link in the show notes if you're not a part of that currently all right we'll be back next week to talk all kinds of keyforge stuff in the style that you have come to expect from help from future self until then stay forward.